Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, how are you, Shelly? How are you doing today? I am so good and so happy to see you. Happy to see you as well. Great to have you on Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders. And we are talking about gender equality and all things equity today. So I'm happy to have this conversation. And we are with Shelly Zalis. First question I have to ask you, who are you, Shelly? Who is Shelly Zalis? Wow. Shelly Zalis is a multidimensional person. But first and foremost, I'm a mother and I am a grandmother and I have an amazing husband and I live a very full life. So that keeps me awfully busy. And those are my priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know you're doing some pioneering work with the female quotient. But what were some defining moments early in your career that ignited your passion for uh, gender equality? Well, listen, I'm the CEO and founder of the Female Quotient, otherwise Miss Chief Troublemaker. So <laughs> I'm very well known to break the rules that make no sense and create new ones. So that really is, I guess, my claim to fame is breaking a lot of rules. I have been in the corporate world for probably over 40 years, for a very long time. So I'm a 61-year-old. My kids have grown up with a working mom their whole lives. And have you ever taken a survey on the internet? An online yes. Yes. About invention. Sorry, not sorry. So that was my claim to fame in business, pioneering online research a very long time ago, probably in, let's say, what year did I do that? In 2000. So a long time ago. So that's what I did for a very long time. I was in the business of market research and I went from the business of market research to the business of equality. So that was quite the pivot. But I was not only lonely my whole corporate career, rising the ranks. I was the only female CEO, top 25. So I played in the boys club for quite some time. And wow. when I sold my company, I was once again, had a company of 250 employees. And then I sold to a company of 16,000 employees operating in 83 countries. And I was running global innovation in 83 countries when I sold to Ipsos, our third largest global research company in the world, a publicly traded French company. I was once again sitting on a public board. I was one of two women in out of 26 people on a publicly traded board. And once again, in pretty much an only and lonely. And I realized, let's see, they were moving my employees around like chess pieces. And I tears came down my eyes sitting on this board. And I was pulled aside after the board meeting. And I was told there was no room for emotion in the boardroom. And once again, I had the choice, do I agree with that or do I do what I did, which was give a speech to thousands. And my speech was called bring emotion to the boardroom. And I just, I've always been a woman in business, never conforming to the rules of my predecessors, which were all men. I always was a woman in business and I acted like a woman. Sarah Jessica Parker says, uh, being a man is a waste of a woman. And I really always felt that. <laughs> and so when my five-year contract ended, when I sold my company, I decided it was time to give back with generosity what I wish I had rising the ranks, which was starting something called the Girls' Lounge, the opposite of Boys' Girl, the opposite of Clubs' Lounge. If there's a Boys' Club, that there's a Girls' Lounge. And I created safe spaces, pop-up spaces at industry conferences for women to support other women so that you know they weren't alone like I was. And the Girls' Lounge 
became a phenomenon, you know, a safe space for women in predominantly male dominated spaces to support each other. And girls lounges became a thing. And today I've connected over 3 million women across every industry to support each other. And once women started supporting women, I evolved girls lounges to equality lounges, bringing men into the conversations and then put it under the roof of the female quotient, changing the equation, closing the gender gap. And 10 years later, here I am running the business of equality. Here you are indeed. You have done so much. Um, and thank you for all that you have put into equality. I'd like to start with a quote or throw this quote out there. A woman alone has power. Together, we have impact. Can you dive deeper into this idea of collaborative power and its potential for transformation? Wow. First of all, you have done your homework. Yeah, we do our research over here. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Yes, it really started when I did our first girls lounge at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And I was just so tired of going to these male-dominated trade shows and being by myself. And so I called a few girlfriends and I said, do you want to walk the floor, the tech show with me? And if you know other women, please invite them. And 24 hours later, 50 women showed up and two remarkable things happened. One, 50 women walking the floor. It was this whoosh moment. Every single guy's head turned. And that's when I coined the phrase power of the pack. A woman alone has power collectively. We have impact. Mm. And it was just this moment where I no longer felt invisible. It was this making the invisible visible. It was that power of the pack moment. And that was just got shiver saying it. It was just this remarkable feeling. I mean, you don't, well, maybe you do know it as a black man walking in a room filled with white people. You know, you stand out in a crowd. It, it's the same thing as a woman in a room filled with men. And the second remarkable thing that happened was I was surrounded by women just like me. We talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about work-life balance. And we talked about carpool. And we talked about the question I always get, how do you do it all? And like, I'm, do you have children? I have one on the way. In two months, she'll be here. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, when you're on a panel, you always get the question, how do you do it all? Men don't really ever get asked that question. Exception that women are the primary caregivers, not men. So now when men have kids or when they're a caregiver, or I'll say, how do you do it all? And men are taken aback. Like, what? Because they're not asked that question. I'm surrounded by women that were just like me with a lot of the same challenges. And yet we all had power of the purse. We all were big shots with lots of money to spend. And we were doing deals with one another. And I mean, it was just that remarkable moment. And that's how it all started. That's power yeah. of the no, that is powerful because you mentioned being the only very often. And we talk about that in the Black community a lot, right? Being the only. So I'm sure some challenges have arose on your way to uh, being in the business of equality. So can you talk about some of those um, and how you've overcome the challenges of really taking on male-dominated thinking in society? Well, the truth is, it's not even that male-dominated thinking is bad. It's just you need both men and women. We, mm -hmm. And I don't want to take power from men to give to women. We need both the masculine and the feminine. And the masculine, assertive, decisive, linear, the feminine, collaborative, emotive, passionate. We need all of the skills in the workplace. So it's not an either or, it's an and. Absolutely. And so 
it's value add. And to me, that's the power of collaboration. That's the power of team. And so it has never been me too, or time's up or pointing fingers and you're bad and I'm good. It's we, and it's the sum of the parts that make the whole. And that's why I always, language matters. It's not about male allies. It's about leadership allies. When you're in a position of power, we raise everyone up and that's how we all thrive and that's how we all shine. And that to me is the best value system. And some of my best mentors are men and some mm-hmm. of my best mentors are women. It's not about who's better. You learn from everyone. Absolutely. And, and we know, both can tap into that, right? We both can tap into the female energy and women can tap into the male energy. Yeah. Plenty yeah. of men have I, yeah. the feminine and plenty of women have the masculine. Absolutely. So I love what you're doing and what your whole mission. And one of those parts of the mission is visibility. Right? That's one of the primary initiatives of female quotient. So why do you think that visibility is so critical in the journey towards gender equality? I think part of the challenge that we have in the workplace today is we keep trying to fix women. Women are not broken. The system needs fixing. And part of the challenge is it's just that the workplace was designed by men over a hundred years ago for men. And it has never been modernized. And it's not that it was made to isolate women. It's just women weren't in the workplace at the same time. We just came in later. And so that has just been the challenge. And so it was really never designed inclusively. It was never designed around the caregiver. And caregivers are predominantly still women. And so in today's day and age, number one, Caregiving needs to be a shared responsibility at home so that we can have equal opportunity in the workplace. So that is something between partnerships that need to be worked out. And this younger generation is they do want to have dual income. And mm-hmm. so they are dealing with that when they start dating and all that is already getting negotiated at a young age. At my age, that started happening, but that really is starting with the younger generation. But this generation, they really do want dual income. And Mm -hmm. so they are starting to share responsibility and COVID went a long way to helping with new parents starting out. Like, have you and your wife started negotiating that shared responsibility? Absolutely. And you know what? It's something that it was just natural for us to discuss. Back then it wasn't. It was like, hey, you have certain roles. It's traditional. But now, as you're saying, yes, it's just becoming more of a natural discussion because you understand that the responsibilities have to be that way if you are to have dual income. Yeah. And that's becoming discussed when people are starting to think about relationships and parenting and children and all that, saying, if we want to both work, we're going to have to share that responsibility. And Or they say, one of us is going to be the caregiver when the baby comes and I'm not going to work and you are, and and that Mm -hmm. gets negotiated. Okay. So that starts there. The second thing is with pay equity, companies need to really think about equal pay for equal work. And that starts the pay gap starts in two places. One at the first promotion. So if companies are aware of that as they're bringing in new hires straight out of college or starting an entry level, mm-hmm. if companies are aware of where gaps start, it's at the first promotion. Men ask for their first promotion. We know that women don't and men negotiate better. So if companies are aware of that, 
They should be very clear that they should start equal pay for equal work at the beginning of cycle, right? And then moving forward, it should be full transparency and that should never happen. We also know that the second place that the gap happens is maternity leave. And because women take it, they miss the promotion cycle and they miss the raise. So if companies do not have mandatory parental leave, then they should either give the women when they take the maternity leave, the promotion and the pay raise, no matter what, so that we don't miss that gap because we never Mm -hmm. make it up. Or they should have the men not get the promotion when if the woman doesn't. Like you got to adjust at some point. So those are little things that we need to deal with. The other thing is care needs to be managed by the company. If you want the best leaders, we're losing our best leaders to caregiving. So don't wait for government to solve the care problem. Companies need to take responsibility to fix this care gap because it is a big issue. We're losing our best leaders to caregiving. There are solutions. Oh. A whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you're hitting on some big issues here, Shelly, because the World Economic Forum is suggests that it's going to take like 131 years to close that gender gap. And I know you work with a lot of these organizations that you're talking about. So can you tell us a little bit about how you get the companies to see exactly what those solutions are and how they can implement those to accelerate the timeline to closing this gap a little more? So that was an eye-opener. That was a campaign we started in Davos and I just called it out, not afraid to put things right in people's face. And when I called out the report to say, are you all paying attention to the table that you're sitting at? You're all reading reports year after year that says it's going to take 132 years. Now it's 131 years. Wow. A year difference to close. The <laughs> right. Realize that that means it's not solvable. And you're all sitting at the World Economic Forum talking about data that is not achievable where will you be in 131 years dead in 10 cycles of CEO-ness, which means you are signing legislation, you're signing bills, you're putting money in a kitty for gender equality. You're talking about gender equality as if you care. If you are talking about 131 years from now, it means you don't care. Right. And you're not even paying attention to how stupid this is. I said, we created the internet in 25 years. We sent men to the moon in 10, should have sent women if we had spacesuits, we do now. And we created a vaccine to a deadly disease in one year. And you don't think you can figure out how to pay Sally the same as Peter in 131 years? And you don't think you could put women in leadership in 131 years? Ridiculous. And you don't think you can put women of color on board seats for 131 years? I said, listen to yourselves. I mean, the U.S. alone wastes about 320 billions or more in dollars just doing nothing. So, I mean, I said, this is a mindset gap. Yeah. This is data. It's all about choice, priority, mindset. And I said, there and intentionality. There is nothing hard about this. This is in your control. Climate is not in your control. Sustainability is not in your control. Mm -hmm. I said, poverty is not in your control. But what happens in your workplace is in your control. I said, so of all the 17 sustainable development goals, goal number five, gender equality, that you all said will take 131 years to close, 
is the only goal that actually is doable in your tenure. In your lifetime, right. In your tenure, not oh, your lifetime. Yeah, that's true. In your tenure. It's sitting on your desk. The data is in front of your face. The actions are all achievable. And believe it or not, they're simple. It's all choice, priority, and actionable. All you have to do is say yes. So what you mentioned, it's a mindset thing. And all they have to do is say it. So what is the resistance to this? Probably not sexy. And they hand it off to their DE&I groups that have no budget, no accountability. And not doing it is a good excuse. And climate's sexy because everyone talks about it. And you know what's so crazy about climate? They can't even predict weather because the weather is dependent on variables that are not controllable. Yeah. I always say the weatherman is the, or the weather person is the only job you can have and be wrong every day and still have a job because okay. of that. And here's the crazy part with pay. If a CEO wanted to, he or she knows that I am getting paid as a white woman 20% less than a man at the same job. He knows that a black woman is getting paid on average 64 cents less and a Latina woman is getting paid 53 cents on the dollar. So if tomorrow he wanted to adjust accordingly, he could just cut the check and hand it to the employees moving forward. So forget about gap backwards, right? For new employees, let's say the new law moving forward, he decided, let's go forward with new hires. So one day he could say, starting tomorrow, we're going to enforce for all new hires coming in. We are going to create new policy. Like, it's doable. Yes or no? How hard is that to say, I'm going to enforce the new law that equal pay for equal work starting tomorrow. It's going to cost me money. Ouch, pinch, that hurts. But- I want to start forward, zero gap forward, done. Absolutely. I'm going to get corner somewhere else. You're absolutely right, Shelly. I wholeheartedly agree. Let's shift to the leadership component here because you wrote an article for Forbes called Barbie in the Boardroom, and you touched on the essence of femininity in leadership. What are some of the core attributes that you believe women bring to leadership roles that have been historically undervalued? Well, listen, I think one of the most important attributes of leadership is empathy, listening, care. And that's why I said we're losing some of our best leaders to care. And by the way, I don't think it's just women. Mm -hmm. I think men have it too. And that's why I'm saying men should be caregivers and should take time. We all should be caring individuals. And that's why I say I hire for passion, I train for skill, unless you want to be a doctor, lawyer, and accountant. But these are very important attributes. I'm writing an article right now called The Reimagination of Power. And power historically has been hierarchical and command and control, power over someone else. You need to do this for me or else. Power. But we all have power, but power over ourselves, not power over someone else, agency. And we should be accountable for our own actions. And even if you don't have reports, direct reports to you, 
You have choice. Power is choice. You have the choice of whether you want to be a kind person or not a kind person. That's called choice. That's power. And look, why do we keep assholes in the company? We keep assholes because they're good at what they do or they bring in revenue or they're, so what? Get rid of them. Right. That's a problem in a company. Answers. Get rid of the assholes. Men and women. If they're not nice people, get rid of them. And that's why I say hire for passion, train for skill. Hire nice people in a company, and then we won't have a lot of the issues we have. Train them for the job. But you can't train people to be kind. That's comes from here. Hire heart and then train for the job. They say you can't teach personality, right? But you can teach a skill. So for sure. You got something that I found interesting. You mentioned the algorithm of equality. So can you elaborate on this concept, the implications for the future of work and leadership? I actually didn't know why I wrote that. I wrote it on a napkin 10 years ago, the algorithm for equality. Did not know AI was going to be a big thing, but the female quotient, because I'm a researcher, quotient is an equation. Mm-hmm. And that's the name of the company. I wanted to put more women when you... and. The whole concept of the female quotient was when you add more women to any equation, there's a return on equality was the original premise of why I called my company the female quotient. And so I wrote all this on a napkin one day, FQ. Well, I always write names really quickly. So FQ came from first came IQ, the intelligence quotient, then came EQ, the emotional quotient. Then came FQ, the female quotient. When you add more women to any equation, there's a return on equality. And then I thought to myself, wow, female quotient's an equation. And then the tagline came, changing the equation, closing the gender gap. Wow, that's great. This is 10 years ago. And then I thought, wow, that's crazy. The algorithm for equality. I have to change the equation. When you add more to any equation, there's a return on equality. Well, how do I do that? And so I started putting an algorithm in my head, not realizing that AI was going to be a big deal. So what was the equation? Well, the numerator is add women to every equation. The equation is every category. Add women to tech. Add women to finance. Add women to marketing. Add women to media. Add women to research. Add women to cybersecurity. Add women to construction. Add women to waste management. Add women to every equation in business. So that was the numerator, which is why I said, well, then I have to go to conferences like CES, conferences like CAN, conferences like RSA, conferences like Davos, conferences. Everywhere there's men, there's got to be women. And I got to bring them together. So that was the strategy of going to conference by conference by conference. Then denominator was how do I close the gap? The equation, change equation was the top. The bottom was the gender gap. Well, what are the gaps? The gaps are the bias gap, which now is AI because there's a gap. Mm-hmm. What else is the gap? The pay gap. I have to fix the pay gap. What else? The economic gap. You have to close the economic gap. The leadership gap, the diversity gap, all the gaps. And so that's how I go after each of the gaps. And so it gave me a system in my head. The numerator over the denominator equals the algorithm for equality. Wow, that's beautifully stated. I love it, Shelly. That is awesome. Well, that's how weird my that head is. That is awesome. Yeah, I love it. I mean, because my background is text. I think we uh, analyze things the same. 
I get it. So you embrace the idea of if you don't fail, you don't succeed. So can you recount like a personal failure that was instrumental in getting you where you are, propelling you forward to the point you are today? Well, I fail all the time because I don't have anything to copy. I am a first. I make shit up. So I send two types of people, those that see what they see, which is status quo, and those are the followers. And then there's those that see what's possible, which means you have to make shit up because... I've never done anything that exists and I have no idea what I'm doing until I do it. And sometimes you're wrong, but sometimes you're right. And if you don't try, you'll never know. And so I say, you've got to be the first, the second, and the third. The first is the innovator. And you make a lot of mistakes because you have no idea, right? The second is the copycat. They copy everything you do. And I have a lot of those people. The third is the sweeper. They come in, they ride in on the shiny white horse because you've already built the ecosystem. And so they come in and they raise all the money because you've spent everything you had to get to where you are. They beat you at your game because you've already laid out the whole platform. You got everyone to believe in what you're doing. You tested it all. They don't have to make the mistakes and they get all the funding and they just run with it. So I always say, I said to myself, I have to be the first, I have to copy myself, and I have to sweep because there's no one that's going to ever beat me at my own game. But you got to do them all really fast. (laughs) Well, you are definitely moving. I can say that for sure. What you have accomplished in this time frame is absolutely phenomenal. So before we get to the by design segment, one more question. What would a world of equality look like to you? Well, a world where everyone thrives, everyone belongs, everyone feels comfortable, and equals equal. And once we equalize, then we can equitize. But first, we got to get to equal. So you got to hire three for one. Because when we just put one, you're still lonely. And then you don't feel comfortable. So you got to be surrounded by people you could be yourself with. You can get invited to the party, but then you're still lonely because you're there, but when you're lonely at the top, so I could get to the top, but if you're not surrounded by people like you, you're not comfortable and then you leave. So people always, so many people are so selfish because they get to the top and they're like, I'm up here. Woo. You're there by yourself. You don't want to be there by yourself. It's not fun. So hire threes by threes at every level, not just pull one up with you, pull a lot until- You got a lot of everything up there. So don't be selfish. <laughs> I love it. We're going to shift to the by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready? Ready. All right. First question is, what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? When you love what you do, it's called passion. When you don't, it's called stress. I love what I do. <laughs> I like that. Number two, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Oscar Wilde says it best, be yourself because everyone else is taken. So what are three tools or tips you would recommend to go towards that gender equality? Okay. One, shut that voice up in your head. So follow your heart, not your head. Two, bring everyone along for the ride because it's a great ride. So don't overthink it. 
just if you feel someone is authentically true, you're probably right. So don't second guess yourself. And three, it ain't in a textbook. It sure is not. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. And I love the very important points that you're making. I mean, listeners, I hope you are understanding the gravity of what is being talked about here. If you don't, go ahead and go listen again. And if you do, listen again anyway. So Shelly, how can the people connect with you? Well, come to one of our lounges. There's no uh, cost, no membership, no nothing. It's open and welcome for everyone, no exceptions. So show up. Number two, follow us. So we do so many things. So Female Quotient or Shelly's Alice. And every other Tuesday, we do taboo topics. So if you don't talk about them, they don't happen. So we talk about everything. No secrets here. So every Tuesday on LinkedIn, we have taboo topics that aren't taboo topics. So we talk about everything. So come and join us on something. We've got content all over the place. So Instagram, LinkedIn. I don't know where we have everything, but follow us on X too. We just want to see you somewhere. So find us and show yourself to us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Keep doing the amazing work, Shelly. And here at Design Your Life and Business, we just want to say thank you for all that you're doing. And to the listeners, remember to keep ascending. We'll see you soon. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.